good to see all who have come to the house of God today. As we come here, principally, we are to worship the Lord, and we're going to do that as we sing together hymn 16, Abba, Father, we approach Thee in our Savior's precious name, we Thy children here assembling, now the promised blessing claim. singing as we worship the Lord. I'm going to read just a few verses of our psalm for today, Psalm 59, and we're going to read verses 1 to 5, and then we'll go to the end of the psalm. 
Deliver me from mine enemies, O my God. Defend me from them that rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloody men. For lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves without my fault. Awake to help me, and behold. Now therefore, O Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to visit all the heathen. Be not merciful to any wicked transgressors, Selah. Verse 16. But I will sing of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. For God is my defense and the God of my mercy. You may not find yourself in exactly the same place as David when he wrote this psalm, when Saul had sent assassins to kill him, but I'm sure you can identify with so much of what he writes, and especially when we want to rejoice in the Lord and sing about his mercy and thank him for being our defense and our refuge in the day of trouble. I want to look to the Lord, and the text of last week that we mentioned at the start of the service is very much in my mind still the great memory text of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And our thoughts are still very much with Ryan and Lydia and their family, and we think of those in, in the church here who are in hospital and who are sick and laid aside. We think of others who mourn the passing of loved ones. May the Lord be with them. Let's pray together. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we know that it's a good thing to draw near to God. Your word tells us that. To wait in his presence, to come before him, just as we are with our burdens, with our needs, passing through maybe a time of trouble as David was evidently in the psalm that he penned. We can sing aloud of your mercies. Mercies that are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And Lord, we can rejoice in the reality that God is still the refuge of his people in our times of trouble. And although we're reading this in the Psalm 59, we cannot help but think of the Psalm 46 at the same time, where again it is proclaimed, God being such to his people, that refuge and that strength in times of trouble. Lord, we think of individuals and families that are just there today in a time of trouble, in a time of need. And we thank you that you are the unchanging God. You are the faithful God to your people. You promise never to leave us nor forsake us. And we know that God is with us at all times. And all things are working together for our good, even when we can't see it or can't interpret it or can't fathom the dealings of God in our life or interpret His providential movings in our lives. Yet, everything we know is coming together, not for our ill, but for our good. Help us, Lord, to know it not just in the mind, but in the heart. And we pray that Thou will bless Your people. Remember James Wallace and our sister Margaret Carey in hospital. Remember Anne's story as she continues to recover. Remember the young man James, as we heard this morning, almost eight months now since his accident and all these months in hospital, 
And yet there's glimmers of hope, and we thank you for that. Remember him for good and his family. And again, we commit Lydia into your hands, and Ryan and the family, as very soon treatment will commence. We thank you that you'll go with them all the way, every step of this journey. And you will be their refuge, and you will be their strength. We pray for those who mourn, for the Conley family, remembering Elizabeth very especially, and Dave too, and his family. Remembering the Websters today, our brother David with us, and the loss of his father, that God will be with them and sustain them in sorrow. And Lord, we think of the Skelton family also. And you know what a devastating blow that has been to a family, a community, a school, and so many that knew this man. We just pray for those that mourn today that they will find comfort in the Lord. Remember our friends here from the land of Ukraine and visitors with them today. Bless them. Remember the land that they come from. And Lord, it's ever before us, the warring, the fighting, the bloodshed, the loss of life, the maiming, the uncertainty, even the uncertainty of their future. Lord, we're glad we can commit them into your hands. Bless them, we pray. Encourage them in the Lord. Whenever Ziklag was taken and the people removed, we know that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And there was a retrieval of all those things that were taken. And Father, we pray that somehow in your mercy, in your providence, that you will bring good out of evil and that your name will be glorified. Remember Israel too, with all its need, and bring peace to the warring nations of this earth. We commit this day to thee. You've been with us already in prayer, in Sunday school, in Bible class. We pray for your presence now, for your voice to be heard. We just seek to bring ourselves before the Lord simply and yet sincerely. Don't let us leave church today without hearing from heaven the voice of God in our soul. Let there be that little season of reviving in our hearts. Set the church on fire. And Lord, may we rescue many from the depths of sin that they might be brought to a saving knowledge of Christ. We commit tonight's meeting to thee. Remember Samuel for good as he becomes an elder of this church officially. We pray that the ordination and installation service will be owned of God, that your presence will be given, that our moderator will be helped in the preaching of the word. Lord, may this be a good day, a high Sabbath in the service of the King, because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing 377 of something in my heart that Jesus gave to me. It makes me feel like singing glory all the day. He found my captive soul and gave me liberty, and now I feel like singing glory. <clears throat>
Warm word of welcome to all that are gathered. If you've been away for a little while, maybe sick or laid aside, we're glad to see you back in the house of God. Uh, good to see Andrew and Jessica and the little one today also. May the Lord bless you. And we have some visitors that are not normally with us from the land of Ukraine. They have been living in Germany for about two years, and they will be moving on to the United States of America. My understanding is they're emigrating there, but we want to welcome them. They've spent just a few days here with their friends, and we, we welcome you in the Savior's name. If you want to stand up so we can see you, I think there's uh, three gentlemen. God bless you. Thank you. Trust the Lord will undertake for your, your future as you seek to serve Him and as you move so far away. If you're joining us on the internet, we're glad to have you also as part of the service today. And the following are the announcements for the remainder of today and the incoming week particularly. And we think of our ordination service tonight at seven, and Samuel Johnson, one of our deacons, in the will of the Lord will be ordained to the eldership of the church tonight, and the Reverend Samuel Murray, our moderator, will be the preacher, and our clerk of presbytery will be here also, the Reverend Greer, to put the prescribed questions to Samuel. So this is a good day. We look forward to tonight's meeting, and as a congregation, we wish Samuel well. And this is the invitation that has been floating about the internet and get it out there even through the afternoon and invite others to come. Supper will be served. And ladies, again, can you bring half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns? There will be no Hebron talks in the morning. This incoming week is half term and schools are off. And so therefore, because of that, there'll be no Hebron tots. Monday night is our session meeting at eight o'clock. And uh, just at the beginning of that, we'll have a short um, school meeting and then moving into the meeting with the elders. Tuesday is Youth Challenge. Uh, we're so thankful to the ones that the Lord has given to us as far as children are concerned. And this is a gift from God when the Lord brings children in and gives us the responsibility to teach them and educate them in the things of the Lord, we would like to encourage you to get involved. If you're not involved uh, too much in church life, maybe here's a ministry for you, coming and helping out on a Tuesday night. And we would love to encourage our young people. Thank Samuel for sending out uh, that we correspondence to the youth. But if you're free young people on a Tuesday night, Here's an area to serve the Lord before you would go anywhere else in the world. And we love to see you going on vocational Bible schools, but start right here at home in Jerusalem and serve the Lord in the local church and serve Him with the upcoming generation. Thursday night is the midweek at 8 o'clock. We will have special prayer for the children's ministry. Friday, the young people will be going to the martyrs in Belfast for the Youth Council 50th anniversary. And 6.45, I'm assuming, would be the best time to, to leave that. Takes an hour getting to Belfast with the, the buses, and you want to get there and get a good seat. So, young people, the, the buses will be leaving at that time. And please continue to share this with your friends and get them to go as well. It'll be a good night. Saturday is the open air in the center of the town at 11. Next Lord's Day begins with prayer at 8 o'clock and our Sunday school at 10.30. And at the Bible class at a quarter to 11 in the absence of one of our Bible class leaders, uh, Lewis McCauley will be preaching the word. So you pray for Lewis that the Lord will help him as he brings the message to the others next Sunday morning. The worship service at 12 noon and you know we're, we're doing a study in Mark's gospel, just going through bit by bit, not wanting to leave any major text or section out. And if I've been counting right, and uh, we're not infallible, but if I've been counting right, next Lord's Day will be the hundredth message in Mark's gospel. And I hope that you're enjoying the study as much as I am, because we are moving 
through the ministry of Christ and looking at so many different things. And we, we ask you to pray for us that the Lord will continue to bless in the remainder of our study. The gospel meeting is at seven o'clock, preceded by the time of prayer at half past six. Supper will be served. And then we have the special meetings organized by the mission board that will take place in Lisbon later on in March. I don't need to go into the details again. We'll do that near the time, but just so that you can sketch in to your diary as much as possible for these meetings. The ordination and installation service of Jonathan as the minister of Mount Marion will take place on Friday the 8th of March at 8 o'clock, and this meeting will be in the Martyrs Memorial. And we want a good representation from our congregation. Jonathan is a child of this church, a son of this church, and uh, we, we want to go there and, and encourage him on the night of his ordination to the Christian ministry and installation as the minister of Mount Marion. Ben McLean had a birthday on Friday. The young people acknowledged that on Friday night, but just to say uh, congratulations to Ben, reached his 30th birthday. Trust the Lord will bless him. On a sadder note, we extend our sincere sympathy to our sister Elizabeth Conley and uh, to Dave Bevan and his family in the death of Maureen. Maureen passed away late last Sunday night and uh, was buried on Wednesday. And our thoughts are with a family that are grieving. We also extend our sincere sympathy to David and Heather Webster on the, de on the <clears throat> death of David's father. And he will be led to rest on Tuesday morning. His father has gone to be with the Lord, which is far better. And that means everything when we come to death and eternity. So please pray for David and his family. We also remember the Skelton family. Uh, Mr. Skelton so much part of the fabric of this community, the headmaster of Dalriada School. And uh, he took very unwell on Monday. And that subsequently led to his passing from this scene of time. We think of a wife and family. We think of a community. We think of pupils from the school. Many of them are here and past pupils that uh, were at Dalriada during the time when he was the headmaster. Do remember them in prayer. And the others on the prayer list, some of them we've mentioned already, all of them in need of the touch of the Lord. Every week we ask you to please pray for the land of Ukraine and the war, that God will intervene, bring it to an end in his time and in his purpose. And for the land of Israel, that peace will be brought to that part. We showed you the, uh, this last week, we started to pack two pallets, and this is, I think it was Monday, and the pallets were lifted from the church here and brought up to, to Jonathan's workplace where they were collected later on in the week. So they are now uh, being shipped to two different places in Romania. And uh, our brother Emmanuel, recently they had a group of young people who came in uh, just to, to play instruments. And he was delighted <clears throat> that some new folks, some of the, the Roma families that they've been working with, the children were present, that's some of them sitting there at the back and then a few of them here at the front. And they started a little after-school activity for them, bringing them in to help them with homework, which is an excellent idea, but also, obviously, to share the gospel. Some funding was sent recently to his area to help with the poor, and this is a, <clears throat> a van load of potatoes that are being distributed to the most poor families. They had a very good night on Wednesday night at the ladies' fellowship and the ladies of the Hebron choir. They sang and their ministry was thoroughly enjoyed. So we're glad that the Lord undertook and blessed their sister Margaret as she spoke. And they, obviously, <clears throat> we like a time of fellowship here and a wee cup of tea afterwards. This week has been busy in the school's ministry on Monday <coughs> with the opportunity to be in Dalriada at their scripture union. On Tuesday, we went to the William Pinkerton Memorial in Dervik, 
and had the opportunity to talk to these boys and girls. Wednesday, we were to be in another school, but because of the funeral, we had to uh, postpone it, so we got another date for next month. But on Thursday, we were up in the Laney, and if we have sound, I should be able to let you hear um, the children sing. I, I went to the back before <clears throat> I, I was invited to speak and to, to sing with the children. We, we were able to just record. finished on Friday morning with our own school children. Always a delight to have them just here in the fellowship area. We've been involved in the Christian Workers Training Academy down in Tandragee, and that's where I was on Thursday. And uh, we're thankful to Victor who brought the word on Thursday night here. And we heard a little bit of it as we journeyed, and uh, we heard good reports of the word that was preached. Friday night, our young people gathered in for their youth meeting. I want to thank those who came in yesterday. Yesterday was a work um, day for the church, and you can see so many in so many areas, especially in the car park, getting it all sorted, power washing, cleaning out drains, and uh, that sometimes necessitated getting right down on your hands and knees, getting your hands dirty, and then the final picture <clears throat> reminded me of what it used to be in the council. They probably say it now is the DOE. There was one man working on the others. They, well, they were spectating, and uh, used to say about the others leaning on their shovels. Well, we didn't provide shovels for them, but thank you to the men that came in, and then they had a wee bite to eat um, something for them for all their hard work. These are all the announcements we're going to have our offering today for the Lord's work and it's building fund Sunday. We're going to sing together 500, take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but his love abideth ever through eternal years the same. We'll keep our seats as the offering is received.
Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 11, and we're going to read from the 11th verse through to verse 21. Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple, and when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves." And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, Behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Ending a reading there at verse 21. Let's pray together. Almighty God and gracious Father, this is your word, inspired, inerrant, unchanging, and unchangeable. And we pray your blessing upon what we've read. And as we seek to give explanation, bring the message for today Oh, God, cover this meeting with your protection. The devil wants to disturb. He wants to draw our attention away from your word. But oh, for the power of the Spirit to be known, help us to concentrate, help us to think, help us to pray in our hearts, speak to me, and may God speak. May this preacher be helped. May he know the enjoyment of power from on high. In Jesus' precious name, amen. It's a Monday morning, and it's the day after the triumphal ride or entry of Jesus Christ into the city of Jerusalem. He and his disciples had spent the night at Bethany with their friends. We talked about this family last Lord's Day, where the Lord wanted to be in those final nights before the cross and who he wanted to be with. It seems that he rises early and he makes his way to the city again where he is going to cleanse the temple. But something very remarkable happens on the way. Jesus curses the barren fig tree. It may be very well that he left his lodgings that morning without his breakfast because we're told in verse 12 that he was hungry. And here's the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated. Jesus was subject to the, the sinless infirmities of our nature. He hungered. He thirsted. He was weary. He sweated. He wept. He rejoiced. He felt pain like any one of us. And in his hunger, he sees a fig tree at a distance that was full of leaves. Such a sight would normally indicate that there was fruit. And so the Lord walks over to the tree, hoping to find some figs. Though the time of gathering in the figs was near, 
it was not yet. However, he found nothing but leaves. There was not so much as one fig to be found on this tree, though it was full of leaves. The Lord Jesus makes an example of this tree by cursing it. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Now, this was given not for the benefit of the other trees, but it was given for the benefit of men, for people, for the generation that was then, particularly the Jewish people, and of course, given for our benefit these many, many centuries later. This tree is a picture of what we might call false advertising, having leaves but no figs. Ordinarily, that was not the case. For where there is an abundance of leaves like this, there is fruit. The leaves were saying, there are figs here, but there was a total absence of fruit. Someone has said there were many trees with only leaves, and these were not cursed. There were many trees with neither leaves nor fruit, and these were not cursed. This tree was cursed because it professed to have fruit, but it did not. And so the Lord, He pronounces this curse upon the fig tree. It's very interesting to point out, just for your information, that this is the only destructive miracle that the Lord Jesus Christ performed during His ministry. Everything else that He did by way of His supernatural power, by way of miracle, was beautiful and pleasant and, and positive. The healing of the sick, the giving of sight to the blind, hearing to those that were deaf, the unstopping of the, the dumb tongue, making the lame to walk again, casting out devils, raising the dead to life, stilling the storm, feeding the hungry, all these things. But this one miracle was destructive, cursing the fig tree. And that makes it very interesting and noteworthy. If this was the only miracle of its kind, and it was, then we must see that there is a very great and important lesson to learn. This miracle comes as a loud warning to those that have leaves only and no fruit. They have a profession, but they have no possession. They have the talk, but they don't have the walk. Now, you've got to sit up and listen and pay attention to what the Lord did and also to what He said, what He's teaching here. God does not approve of those who have merely leaves of profession, but they have no true salvation, no true fruit, no true evidence. And so I want to think about our subject today, nothing but leaves. And first of all, I want you to look at the opening part of verse 13, because there is the expectation that Jesus desired. Seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. Being hungry, Jesus went to the fig tree, this tree that he had seen at some distance away, a tree that was very lush with green leaves. For this was proclaiming that there was fruit here. And we are told that Jesus came if happily he might find anything thereon. What was his expectation? What was he looking for? He was looking for fruit. The test of whether you could expect figs from a fig tree was not just the time of the year, but whether the foliage of the tree was in full bloom. And this tree certainly was. Now remember where Jesus is. He's in the vicinity of two villages, Bethany and Bethphage. And it is very interesting that, that both of the names have the same meaning. And they mean house of figs. Bethphage might 
have the, the thought of house of unripe figs, but the thought is there. The very area declares what was grown there and what you could expect to find there. You and I that have green leaves of profession, in other words, we declare, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm born again, I'm on my way to heaven, we ought to have fruit of some kind. It can't be otherwise if you're a true believer. There must be fruit in your life. If there's no fruit, you're not saved. It's as simple as that. Remember the sower went out to sow the seed and, and the end of the story, speaking about the good ground, the, the, the true believers in Christ, there was fruit born. Some was hundredfold, some was 60, some was 30, but there was fruit there, although in different quantities, maybe even different quality, than, than each other, but there was fruit to be born. And the Lord comes to survey our lives to see the fruit that ought to be there. I want you to think about Israel just for a moment with all the blessings and the spiritual advantages and the opportunities that God gave to them. Think about them. They have the oracles of God. They had the revelation of divine truth. To them were sent the prophets of old. And of course, they had all the types, the shadows, the figures that were all pointing to the Savior, the coming of Christ into the world, all wrapped up in the Old Testament Scripture and closely aligned with the history of the nation. In the days of the Lord Jesus, they had Christ Himself walking about preaching in their villages and their towns, the very Son of God walking upon the earth. They saw Him. They heard Him. They listened to His sermons. And they had the Lord's disciples with them as well. And, and they saw all the miracles that He did. Now, you would expect fruit of that nation. You would expect many of them to come to know the Lord as their Savior. As it was in Israel, so it is in gospel-preaching lands. And I think of our own country here in Ulster, and broadening it out a little bit more, we think of the United Kingdom. Although the United Kingdom has so far departed, it could hardly be called a Christian country today because it's filled with so much heathenism. But leaving that aside, we are a nation greatly blessed, and we've had all the, the blessings and the opportunities and the advantages that anyone could ever had, have when it comes to gospel things. This is the land of Reformation, where God raised up so many of the great reformers, and some of them are out there in the fellowship area, their, their paintings, just to remind us of Reformation days. This is the land of revival. Great awakenings took place within this nation when the Spirit of God moved with power, and so many were, were awakened as far as God's people were concerned, and then many others swept into the kingdom of God's dear Son as a result. This is a nation of great preachers that the Lord has raised up through uh, the generations of time. And for some of you, if you want to bring it down to a more personal level, you've had godly parents who have been faithful to you when it comes to the gospel. And you've come to Sunday school and children's meetings where teachers and leaders loved you and fed you in the Word of God and taught you faithfully the things of the Lord. And you, for many of you, maybe not all of you, but you've come to the Free Presbyterian Church. We are an imperfect church in many, many ways, but we're still a gospel-preaching, evangelical, reformed church that preaches solidly the Word of God and stands foursquare upon divine truth. And these are privileges that you've been given, the wider privileges in the nation of what we've been in this country for the Lord, and also those very personal, individual blessings that God has lavished upon you. So you're not in darkness when it comes to divine revelation. You've been blessed, and it's only right and proper that therefore fruit is expected and the Lord would come expecting that fruit from you. 
what kind of fruit should be discovered. Well, let's just mention three very basic ones, repentance and faith and righteousness thereafter. The Lord is searching out your heart. He's expecting to find fruit in your heart, fruits of repentance where you have turned away from your sin, fruits of faith where you have believed only in the all-sufficient atoning work of Christ upon the cross. That's where you're pinning your eternity. And fruits of righteousness that now that you've repented and by faith trusted in Christ, that you're living out the Christian life righteously and godly in this present evil world. And for those of you that have lush leaves of profession, there's much fruit that we ought to expect. Godly living. Faithfulness at the house of God. You say we're Christians and we're not faithful to God's house. It doesn't make sense at all. People of the Bible that knew the Lord, Old Testament and New Testament, they were worshiping people. They assembled together. The Bible speaks about the assembly of the saints. Some people say, I can worship God at home. Don't need to be at church. Well, uh, unless they're sick and let aside and they, they really can't get to church because of their their ill circumstances. That, that kind of excuse does not wash when it comes to the teachings of God's Word. Because the Bible shows us clearly that God's people who know the Lord, who love the Lord, ought to be at public worship. They ought to be. Might as well say, I'm a footballer, but you're never on the field, you're never with the team. I'll just practice at home. Well, you're, you might be able to kick a ball at home, but you're, you're not really a footballer in that sense unless you're out there uh, with the team. And so we bet in a higher sense like that in Christianity. Your love for Christ, that ought to be seen. The way you conduct yourself, the way that you live in your home, in your community, in your workplace, in your school. Love for Christ is a fruit that ought to be there. Your desire for spiritual things like the Bible, like the place of prayer. And we could add to that list numerous other tokens that should be found in your life and mine if we are truly the Lord's. And if you want to, to develop that a little bit more, if you're thinking about fruit, you will undoubtedly consider the list that is given by the apostle when he wrote to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 5. And there's a sermon on every one of the nine fruits of the Spirit recorded for us. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And you can go right down the, the nine, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These things ought to be found in your life because they are the fruits of Christianity, the fruits of the Spirit. And you also should consider Second Peter chapter 1. I was looking at this again through the week. And verse 5, beside this, give all diligence, add to your faith. So you've come to faith in Christ. Add to your faith. Build upon your faith. It's the thought here. Virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, temperance. To temperance, patience. To patience, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness to brotherly kindness, charity. And having mentioned these things that are fruits in the Christian life, the Apostle Peter went on to say, if these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And so as the Lord comes to, to search out our hearts, as he come to our trees, if you like, these leaves that are professing Christianity, he's coming and he's looking for fruit today. And I've mentioned some that the scripture outlines. What does he find? What does he find? Leads me on to my second thought, also in verse 13. 
this situation, he discovered Jesus seeing the fig tree afar off, having leaves came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. When Jesus came to the tree to find fruit, he found none, nothing at all, nothing but leaves. We are told here that the time of figs was not yet. And that's, that's important to notice that phrase. This fig tree could not pretend that it had already produced the fruit and that fruit was gathered from it because the time of the figs was not yet. The fully ripe figs were not ready for gathering in at the very least at this time of the year, which was from March onwards, there should have been small edible buds on this tree. But, but there wasn't even that. These little figlets, if you want to call them such, that, that, that grew before the fully grown figs would grow. Nothing at all. Nothing but leaves, the Bible says. Furthermore, the fruitlessness here could not be blamed on a poor year for figs to be grown. No, the leaves were proclaiming that there was fruit, even though the fruit was not ripe and ready for gathering. The sad reality was, though the tree was declaring by its beautiful leaves, I have fruit, there wasn't even a fig to be found, not even a figlet. Fruitlessness written all across this tree. And this brings us to ask, what is there in me? I say I'm a Christian. I say I have made a profession of faith. I expect to go to heaven one day. But is there fruit that declares the reality of grace being wrought in the heart? Is there true repentance and true faith and, and true righteousness is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so forth found in me? Do I bear the, the marks of true Christianity that show that a, a work of grace has been done? When the Lord Jesus came looking for the fruit, he found nothing, nothing but leaves. Oh, let that not be said of us. wouldn't want to be in that position at all because I want you to see, finally, the destruction that Jesus declared. It's in verse 14, Jesus answered and said unto it, unto the fig tree, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. Fruitlessness means destruction. If a man has a fruit tree, and that fruit tree produces no fruit, how long will it be before he cuts it down? Is that not a fair question? As well as being a very serious question. Think of fruit growers today. People that, that are in the business of growing fruit. And if they were producing nothing, there was nothing but leaves and there was no fruit, on certain trees, how, how long would they give it before those trees would be cut down? I have a brother-in-law, many of you know him, Brother David Johnson, who has orchards of apples. They are the good County Down Bramley apples. Some of you have been to this place, you've seen that. But I'm just wondering, and I haven't talked to him, how long would it be if his trees were not producing fruit year after year that, that he would cut them down and plant ones that would bring forth fruit. You know, the Lord told another story about a fig tree. I don't think you can read what we've read in Mark chapter 11 without thinking about Luke chapter 13. Let me read you the appropriate verses, just a few from verse 6 to 9. Jesus spake this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. Same picture. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, 
and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. To understand what the Lord is teaching here, comes the fig tree. There's no fruit. He's come for three years, no fruit. And he tells the one who's in charge of the fig tree, cut it down, cut it down. But there's this plea, give it another year, give it another chance. How often that has been for some, even as you've sat in church and year after year the Lord has come and he's been looking for fruit, repentance and faith and righteousness in your life. And he's found none. And for so many interceding, and I believe at times the Lord himself interceding, let it alone this year also. Give it another chance. Give him another mission. Give him another gospel meeting. And if he fails to bring forth fruit, then cut it down. You see, my friends, what is being taught in, in both of these stories and the, the actual story of Christ and the fig tree when he was there physically and cursed it, and also in the parable is this, very, very simply, where there's no fruit, there is destruction. Cut it down. It was so for Israel. And I think Israel is very much in mind when the Lord spoke these words, all the privileges given, the very Christ of God, having now walked for three and a half years among them and so many and no fruit. And we know a number of years later, <clears throat> the city of Jerusalem would be destroyed and thousands and thousands of Jews would be cut down physically and out into eternity. But it's also so for the mere professor of religion. Those that have just leaves, only leaves. So you ought to sit up and, and pay attention to what the Lord is saying here. Those of you who have only leaves, <coughs> no genuine godly fruit, the end is destruction. Why? Because you are abiding under the anathema of God. The incident here before us is known as the cursing of the fig tree. Peter draws attention to the Lord's serious sentence the next morning when he said, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. It's destroyed. And I think of the words of the great apostle Paul at the end of his first letter to the Corinthians. You remember them? If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 22. Let him be anathema maranatha. Anathema is curse. Maranatha is the Lord comes. Let him be cursed at the Lord's coming. You see, true love for Christ will be expressed and seen in fruit-bearing. And where there is no fruit-bearing, there is just the curse. Where do you stand with the Lord today? This story in the life of Christ just before his death is very, very powerful. This one destructive miracle in the whole of the New Testament in the life and ministry of Christ that's very, very powerful lessons to learn. Have you learned from it today? I pray that you have. And may God make us all truly fruitful people that have the genuine article to start off with and know the Lord in true repentance and true faith and then thereafter live according to God's Word. May it be so for Jesus' sake. That's what we were to prayer. Lord, we give thanks for your word, the seriousness of it. We pray as the Lord comes and he, he examines us and he, he looks for fruit in us that he will find some. 
hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, whatever it might be, but fruit will be there. And that we will be productive, that we will bring forth fruit, as the Bible says, meet for repentance. Oh God, we pray that you'll speak to those who have no fruit. They've maybe made a profession, but there's nothing there. And they know that. They don't need to be told that. The work of grace has never been done. Redemption has never been experienced in their life. Oh God, bring them, Lord, to see their need of a Savior and bring them to the place of true repentance and faith, true, true fruit. And help us all who know the Lord, who are saved, to produce that fruit in abundance in our lives. We would have it to be so, and the Lord would have it to be so. We know that. So bless your word and bless us as your people. Make us what you want us to be, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll sing a couple of verses of the closing hymn. I'll not go to the, the door this morning. I know many of you will want to go to the funeral this afternoon of Mr. Skelton. Uh, so I'll not detain you at the door. We will sing a couple of verses of 479, Search me, O God, my actions try, and let my life appear as seen by thine all-searching eye. To mind my way is made clear. Sing the first two verses, please. Gracious God, dismiss us now in your fear and love. Continue with us this afternoon. Comfort those that mourn this very day and bless our meeting tonight, the special service of ordination for Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>